everyone. This is Michael from Kendo World. Thanks for joining us again for another KED Talk. Uh, today we're joined by Stuart Gibson from the UK. Uh, Stuart's a Renshi Rokudan and was a member of the British team from 2001 to 2014. Uh, took part in five World Kendo Championships and uh, got a Fighting Spirit Award three times and also took part in 10 European Kendo Championships and won the individual title in 2014. Uh, he's now resident uh, in Tokyo, where he's training and working. Uh, so let's welcome Stuart. Oh, Stuart, uh, welcome to KED Talk. Evening. Yes, I'll just point out, we're recording this at uh, 10 p.m. on a Friday evening. So uh, cheers, everyone. Cheers. Um, if there wasn't a lockdown or anything, I'm sure, rather than here, we would uh, be in a bar somewhere. So uh, let's crack on. So Stuart, I guess let's just start at the beginning. Um, how did you get into kendo? Well, I thought when you said right at the beginning, you were going to ask me about my childhood for a minute. That would have been traumatic. Uh, how did I get into kendo? It's very easy. Uh, I was living in Oxford at the time. It was the year 1999 and uh made famous by prince in a song i believe wasn't it uh i wouldn't know i don't listen to people who wear crushed velvet okay. um and uh uh you totally made me lose my train of thought a couple of friends of mine had gone to the local university kendo club and they had asked if members of the public were able to go and they said, yeah, anyone's welcome. And so we went as a group of five the following week. Um, one year later, only me and the first guy who went, who said, do you want to come to Kendo? We're still doing it. Two years later, it was just me. So that was 1999? 1999, October of 1999. So I, don't know, I don't know why I remember that, but I do. <laughs> that was Oxford University? Kendall it was, uh, uh, yeah, it was, yeah. I, it would be great to say that I was smart, but uh, I wasn't. I was like just some random pleb working in the shop, um, and a couple of my mates were at the university, and they were like, "Let's let's go, let's do this." So, after how long from starting then did you realise that this was something? Oh, I'm into this. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going. Uh, that's a good question. I don't think. I don't think it was like some realization. I, I think it, like over a period of time, I kind of figured out that uh, I don't want to say that kendo came easily to me, but the basics as a beginner felt natural, right? Like I could I could look at other people and imitate what they were doing, you know, relatively easily to kind of like get started with it, and I was enjoying it. Like it was it was a a form of exercise that I didn't hate uh, because uh, I, like people people look at me all the time. They see that I do kendo and stuff, and they're like, "Oh, you must be like really super fit and, and all of this." And I'm like, "I hate running. I hate exercise. I don't want to do anything strenuous apart from kendo. And if it's not kendo, I'm not interested." And that always like messes with people because they think, "Oh, you mean kendo? It looks hard. It looks physically hard. You must be like super fit." I'm like. I've got a beer belly and I couldn't run a hundred meters if you paid me, but I could do kendo for three hours. No problem. That's probably most people that do kendo to be honest. Really. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's some, there's a lot of people that you think are not great physical specimens, but once they're in all their gear and, uh, and in the dojo, they turn into something else. I'm a specimen, uh, but I don't know. I don't know what that means. So. <laughs> All right, so that was uh, your introduction then to it was uh, uh, Oxford. But you, yeah. you lived in London after that, did you move? Uh, so I lived in Oxford until I was 19. So I did Kendo in Oxford for about 18 months to two years. I can't, I can't exactly remember. Moved to Reading after that for work. Um not the best place to live i've got to say it's like it reading was a place where i lived where it was between everything that i wanted to do which was kendo in london and kendo in oxford 
Um, but nothing against the town of Reading itself just wasn't that interesting to me at the time. Um, and so I lived in Reading for work for about a year or so and would do kendo in Oxford on Mondays and Wednesdays. Um, one of my old teachers, Peter Wells, used to like give me a lift here and there. And then on Fridays and I think it was Saturdays or Sundays, I would get the train into London to do kendo in London. So like within a couple of years, I was already like practicing four or five times a week if I could. Whereabouts in London were you training? Uh, so I started off training at Imperial College with the students there. So like another university club. Um, I mean, I, I was almost the same age as these these guys anyway in fact i think i was the same age like 20 21 when i was when i was doing this uh and then after a period of time uh i heard that one of the younger mumeshi members who had gotten into ucl college was going to start a kendo club there and i offered to help out uh i think in my arrogance at the time i i was like I'm third down, I can teach. And so it was just like, yeah, let's let's try and do this, basically. And uh, so opened with him the Najaf, uh, he, his name was, uh, opened with him the second iteration of UCL Kendo Club. Is that the one now that's Joe? Is it Joe? Joe Choi, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he was he was in the very first class of uh, people that joined the club. So he has been at UCL Kendo Club right from the very beginning. He he works there in the office, doesn't he, or is it part of the uh, university? I have no idea what he does. Oh, okay. I, I know that I know that he's still making sure that my old Kendo Club is alive and kicking. So Joe, if you ever see this, bless you for keeping the old ways running. Yeah, I, w- I went there once when I went back to London for, um, because obviously I'm based in Japan, I went back there for research and yeah, got to train at, at UCL. You uh, never told me that. Yeah, that was in, that would have been in winter, either 2008 or 2009, just one time. What? You never told me that, man. Really? Keeping secrets from me these days. I do apologise. No, no secrets. Christ. No That's secrets. That's terrible. That's terrible. <laughs> All right, so then... So you started around in two in nineteen ninety nine, and then ninety nine, yeah, yeah, and then so you you became a member of the the GB team in two thousand one. Is that right? Uh, I was first selected in two thousand one. Yeah. So was that you mean just to go to training or to be actually no to go to training? It was so in the UK there is a beginners competition in London uh, called the Lidstone Taikai. Oh, which I think maybe just quickly explain what the Lidston Tiger yeah. is. It's a so famous competition. It's in the UK, yeah, it's got a bit of history to it. So, uh, so, like, if somebody else on the internet sees this and decides to flame me in the comments or whatever, just fine, do what you like. Uh, I'm probably wrong on some details here, but um, no, I think. Th- Frank Lidstone, Sir Frank Lidstone, maybe, um, who was one of the earliest like kendo pioneers in the UK, I guess, um, and was very attached to teaching beginners. Um, was it, he was a part of the ken like the the UK kendo scene like early early on. And um, obviously he's not with us anymore. And in his memory, um, to to kind of pay homage to the fact that he you know, put a lot of effort into beginners and loved practicing with beginners, uh, they created a beginners only competition. So you could basically for anybody up to EQ. Um, in and they held it in uh, Ninliki in uh, Elephant and Castle in London. She just actually said it's Charles Lidstone, not. Frank Lidstone. So there we go. Who's Frank Lidstone? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Come on. It's been 20 years since I since I entered the Lidstone Taiko, man. It's the Lidstone Taiko to me, right? It's the it's the thing, it's the thing that all beginners get basically get their uh, get their wings, so to speak. Is it Charles Lidstone? Charles R. A. Lidstone. 
I believe. Where did I get Frank from? Who's Frank Lidstone? Frank, uh, Frank Bowden, I believe. Oh, but uh, I nearly swore there. Uh, okay, I'm I'm mixing up my kendo dignitaries. <laughs> that's that's what it is. That's that's what happens when you have a nine percent strength uh, lemon sour before you come into these things. <laughs> so that was your so from that taikai then that you got so, sent by someone from the squad. Yes. So at the time, uh, Jeff Hum, who is. I believe, still running uh, Heezen in uh, central London, um, was asked to coach the national team after the uh, Santa Clara World Championships. And uh, he was he was not just looking for the strongest five people, but he, like, all credit to him, he was looking for, like, people who were young and showed some kind of potential. And I guess Jeff saw something in me. Arrogance. <laughs> I don't know. Quite um, me, I think. Uh, yeah, something. Uh, thanks, Jeff, by the way. Uh, and asked me if I would be interested in training with the team. And I was like, yeah, this sounds this sounds fun. Like, I'll I'll definitely give that a go. And so there was a few experienced people and then there was a whole bunch of people who had never done anything like represent a national team at anything before. Um, and it was, a, it was a, like, I look back on it now and I just think what a strange group of people it must've been because it was like a lot, it was like people like me who had been doing kendo for like 12 months at the time. Uh, and then there was like people who like, uh, Alex Sala, who were already fifth Dan at that point. And I'm like, what's fifth Dan? Like, I don't, I barely know what that really means at this point in time. And so we were just going in there. I was getting my ass kicked around a lot, but it was, uh, it was good. It was good impetus for me to, I guess, apply myself to kendo so i i started to take it i i wouldn't I, again at that point i wouldn't necessarily say take it seriously but i started to practice more because i was i was starting to see a different side of kendo at that point so that was from 2001 then you kind of started to go along to the the training when when, when did you make your i suppose your debut in the team then in, in a competition and what competition was that yeah so the I wonder I can't I don't know if at the time it was the four nations or the five nations Taikai. There was I think it's the member countries have evolved over time. The last time I was in it, it was the UK, Switzerland, Sweden, Finland, Germany, and I want to say one more country, but I can't I can't remember. So let's call it the let's call it the five nations. Um and that was my first international competition. And I just got my ass kicked all around, all over the place. Yeah, I give it a good old college try, but like I was completely out of my depth at the end of the day. Like I've been doing kendo for 18 months. And um, the thing that it did was open my eyes. Like at that point, you've then got a group of people in front of you who are all really good at what they do. And it gives you a target, right? And I think it's, at that point, it's kind of like up to you what you do with that. And I just I just chose to run with it, basically. I said, well, okay, like I got, I got picked to do this thing. It was purely a pick to give me some experience and give me some exposure, which I appreciate now. Um, and just give it a go and... I enjoyed it and I thought, okay, well, maybe, maybe I want a piece of this. And so I started to take it a bit more seriously after that. So was that tournament, was it held in the, like out of those five or six countries, was it held on yeah. a rotating basis? It, rotate, it rotated around all the time. Yeah. Okay. I've not, not actually heard of that competition before. I think, it's, I think it still happens. Yeah. I think it still happens. It's a, it's a good competition, man. It's a good competition. Like you have a, 
I, I think you had the team competition on like the Saturday, the individuals on a Sunday, and a lot of alcohol all around it. Um, That's quite surprising to me. Actually. Who would have thought for a kendo yeah, competition that there was alcohol involved in the evenings? Um, That's but a- it was it was it was good because it gave you it gave you a chance like outside the the rigmarole and all the kind of chest puffing of the European Championships to get to at least see and interact with your counterparts on different teams. So like through that, I got to know members of like those various teams and drink with them and like find people who are in the same sort of situation and position as, uh, as me and people I could relate to. So when was your first, which came first for you, uh, an EKC or a, or a world champs? Uh, oh, the EKC. So like, I think we know this these days, the, the EKC and the World Championships are on like rotations. So you have two for us in Europe. You have two European Championships and then the world, the worlds. Yeah. And so the after Santa Clara, which I had absolutely nothing to do with, um, the European Championships then came in two thousand and one in Bologna in Italy. And that was the first one that I was selected for. It's kind of this ridiculous situation. Like again, like somebody who's been doing kendo for just over a year and a half, getting selected for the national team to go to the European Championships and put into the individuals as well. You were in in team and individuals? No, I was just in the individuals. Oh, okay. Yeah, they didn't select me for the team, but they put, obviously they put the best team in for that. Uh, and I was just kind of like they're watching. I suppose that, that's kind of like other sports. I know recent at the, at the moment we've got the European football championships going on, and when they were really young, they found on the BBC, I think it was, they found footage of Frank Lampard and Rio Ferdinand as really young, like 17, 18. Mm. They were just in and around the squad. They they yeah. they, they weren't a member of the, the team or they never got on the pit. They, they weren't even in the squad, but they were just there to observe and soak to, it in to see how it goes yeah yeah and that uh, like for me that first european championships just shaped everything that i wanted to do with my kendo for the next 15 years after that basically so how, how did you do in that first one then in, in um, the individuals rubbish mate <laughs> like i actually no not that bad i got out of my pool okay yeah so i got out of my pool uh, again, again with 18 months of experience under my belt, just got got out of there by like pure brass testicles, basically. I think, and then got like just knocked about immediately afterwards by like some fifth dan from Norway, I think. Um, and it's like okay, one and done. Then I guess, but after that, like. I, I guess nobody in the team was expecting me to beat to beat anyone. It's just like give him some experience, see how he does. And so like I beat a couple of people. And you know, obviously go to the European Championships, don't make a tit out of myself in the groups, and I get out of my group and then put up some kind of showing against uh, like you know, somebody with some experience. And I'm like, okay, like, you know, I I still enjoyed the whole experience. It was good. I wanted to do more and it was a good motivator for me. I applied myself more. And I think that kind of showed through again to the, like the coach and the manager and they decided to, I guess, invest a little bit more time in me. So from that experience then from the EKC, was, was there any, anyone in particular, like in the British team or, Anyone else that you saw, like in that championships, that you you kind of thought you could model yourself on or, or learn a lot from? Model myself on. Well, so, maybe model yourself, but some someone that you thought was like, oh, okay, yeah, what he's doing, maybe I should do that. Yeah. Uh, so in the team at the time, uh, Anthony Scott uh, produced the best results. Uh, I thought, and. I remember watching in the final uh, Mats Valkvist from Sweden, who is as tall as me, 
and um, Adeli Gabor from Hungary, who is also as tall as me. So like a couple of tall guys doing this monstrous final out there. And I'm thinking, what these like these guys are like they're shaped like me. I could like I can I can go and do something like that. I didn't realize at the time I was looking at somebody who had trained with the Tokyo Riot Police and somebody who had been to Kokusai Budo Daigaku. But like to, to me, it's like, oh, like two guys that are shaped like me. Let's go and give this a try. And, you know, it was, it, it was good motivation for me. So that, that was then 2001. So then the, there would have, I guess, would have been another EKC in 2002. Did you... Did yeah. you get a place in the team for, for that champ? I did, yes. I think I was uh was I u- I was used in one or two matches in the early stages. I think they might have even used me outside of the group against Germany and I just got trounced. Yeah. I mean, again, I like I, I, I was still only two and a half years into doing kendo at that point as well. So like I was first or second dan maybe by that point, and go, like just going in, chuck myself around, get beat up by a few more experienced folks, win against a couple of like like lesser lesser teams. It was. It was okay again. It was a good experience. Individuals got out of my group again. Like lost again in the first or second round. It is what it, it was. What it was at the end at the end of the day. But for me, it was like it was another one of those kind of step forwards, basically. Like I'd gone from the youngster who gets his first shot by a little bit of the individual's action to let's stick him in the team and see what he can do, kind of thing. So you kind of felt by that time you think you'd, you'd kind of cemented your place in the team, or you, you still Ooh. thought you'd you'd still no. got a lot to do. I still I like so the thing was at that point by the by two thousand two I knew that this was what I wanted to do, right? And so then it was a case of applying myself to it, and so that was when I started to practice a little bit harder and a little bit more. When I started to make life choices that would take me closer to more practice in London basically. So after 2001, I started to practice in London with Imperial College. 2002, I was looking at ways to move into London so that I could just do more kendo. And even before the 2002 World Championships, I was living in London and doing kendo five, six times a week. So that, oh, sorry, 2003 World Champs is running... So- the, the 2003 World Championships, yeah. So before then, I'd already moved into London, oh, okay, pra- okay. practicing as much as I could, basically. So you, what clubs were you go? I assume UCL and Heath- pretty much everything I could go to at that okay. point. Yeah. So uh, UCL when we once we'd started it up. Uh, occasionally, I would go to Hizen, um, Wakaba. I would go to on Saturdays, Mimeshi I would go to on Sundays. Um, at the time, there was a Japanese guy called uh, Yanai Sensei, and he started like a, an informal practice for people in London City. So I started practicing with him as well. Imperial College for a time I was still involved with, but once UCL picked up, I kind of moved over to, to concentrate more on them. It was, you know, it was basically as much practice I could get my hands on I, I did five, like I said, five, six times a week. Nice, nice. So then the following year then would have been your first world champs. Glasgow, yeah, in Glasgow. 2003. Sadly, I didn't get an audience with the Queen. I don't know why, but they thought I wasn't the most suitable member of the British team <laughs> to do that. I, I think they probably made the right call on that one, I think. Oh, come on, what are you saying? Yeah, her Madge would have loved a bit of my caustic humour and local boy wit. I, I disagree. <laughs> how how did that champs go then? Were, were you uh, was your, your your kind of place in the team then set by that point, or were you still kind of kind of bit in, bit out? No, so I I don't know if I'm arrogant enough about it. I could say that it was probably set at that point. Like I was, I was the the simple pick basically. Like I was too big to be simple, but. I was the one who was going to shout a lot and throw myself around the shiaijo, basically. 
And uh, God, you know what? For the life of me, I can't remember the countries that we had in our group stage in the teams. I think one of them was Portugal. I don't remember where the other, which team the other one was. Uh, but I do remember that I won both of my matches in the group stage and we went out on top on top of our group, I believe. And then we faced America in in the next match. So who was it you had at that point for Glasgow? Was it Honda Sotera was co- coaching the, the He was, yeah. Honda, Honda, Honda Sensei was our coach from 2002. So Jeff switched to from coach to manager and Honda Sensei was coach uh, from 2002 until 2006, I believe. So uh, that, that so that would have been after Taiwan or before? Uh, I think okay, well, Taiwan was the last time he was with us. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So how 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 was he for your for your kendo? I mean, lots uh, uh, of good advice. Yeah, like Honda Sensei was one of the most influential people on my kendo for a stop. Like, I think he again he saw he at least saw like potential and effort and rewarded it with commitment basically and i i'm pretty sure that without he's one of those people that without which my kendo would have not continued to grow basically like jeff hum was the person who gave it that first chance and then honda sensei was the person who pushed me forwards to get to get the most out of it at that point so he was with you then from you said until just after taiwan i think that's the, the first so. time we met was very very briefly in um in taiwan in 2000 was it very briefly i was talking to i don't remember that you wouldn't do. I don't think. I was talking to a guy from from Kendo Nippon who we'd, we'd had through Kendo World. We'd had some some dealings with, and he was asking me about um, uh, teams in Europe. And I said, "Oh yeah, that the Great Britain are, are looking good." At that point, you just happened to be walking past me with the British team, and you went, "Oh, thanks very much." And then you just carried on your your merry way. Really? That, so that was our introduction. I'm- so what's funny about that? That then is that I got interviewed by Kendo Nippon at the World Championships. Oh, okay. And they gave me a whole, I nearly swore there, a whole page in the magazine. Oh, right, nice. I, I might even still have it somewhere. It's it's going to be down here somewhere in, I, I, in the collection. I think the guy was Andor-san, I think, from Kendo Nippon. Uh, so it wasn't Andor-san because I've met Andor-san in Japan. Um, ah, Kato-san, I think. Maybe. I don't. I don't remember. Okay. I, don't, I don't remember. I rem- I've met Andosan in Japan. And it wasn't him. Um, but but yeah, I, I was interviewed and I had a whole page. And what's funny about that is recently I took my son, who is now in middle school. Uh, I like obviously he's part of the kendo club at his school, and so we drove them to the middle of Chiba to go and do a practice just like practice Shi'ai with another school. And that other school has like a rack of Kendo Nippon. And I'm like, I'm in one of those. Mm. And I like, pulled it off and like showed this kid from my, from my son's school. He's like, <laughs> like this, he can't believe it. And then one of his mates is like, show me, show me, show me. And there's like 20 people behind him. I'm like, there's too many people. Sorry, love. And just put it straight back in. And so he didn't get to see it. <laughs> so, uh, so going back to uh to yeah. 2003 that was Glasgow. your first your first world champs and then um the mm. last one was 2015 that's actually yeah. that's actually the same as christian philippi who we spoke to um a couple uh, about a month or so ago for a kid talk you had the it's same world champs career uh, nice and cyclical i think because for me it started in the UK, and at the time I was in the UK, and then it ended in Tokyo. And at the time, I live, still do, live in Tokyo. So for me, it was like starting and ending where I lived. Like I, I liked the uh, the kind of finality to that. But like I, I had always decided, like once I knew, I, I'd moved to Japan in two thousand and seven, and I think after twenty twelve, 
we, or maybe even after 2009 in Brazil, we knew that it was going to be in Tokyo in 2015. And I'm like, I'll be 35 at that point, probably past my peak anyway at that age. And so like, if I'm still on the team, like that's the one where I want to kind of hang my coat up and call it a day. Okay. So, so you, you were then in, um, you, you were living in, in the UK for, for 2003 and 2006. And Taiwan. Glasgow yeah. and Taiwan, you were still living in the UK. Yeah. Actually, I suppose we should mention that Taiwan was the first of your Fighting Spirit Awards. No, Glasgow was, oh, really? actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which so, for team or individual? Or? For team, yeah. And then you got another one in Taiwan. You, uh, I think, what round was it that the UK faced... Korea, wasn't it? In- it was the quarterfinals. We got to the quarterfinals in that one. And I believe that you were Taisho in that match. Um, yeah. You were the only one that... Well, you didn't, didn't win. Lose. Didn't lose. <laughs> yeah. I got... I, it's brilliant. I got a fighting spirit for not losing. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. I... I I don't really. I don't remember the match. I haven't even seen it on video in years and years either. But the the only thing I remember is I got really close to the guy's corte once, and and that was it. But I also didn't lose, mm. which, which means that he he didn't pound me into the floor like they did to most of their other opponents, oh, which was nice. Yeah, that that was my first time. Not not as a competitor, obviously, but as a, a world champs, as uh, as filming that one for. Uh, I think for that one, I was supposed to be filming the semi final between uh, Taiwan and Germany. Korea. Was it? Was it? Oh, Taiwan and Korea. That's right. Semi final, but yeah, but Japan and the US was going on 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 the other courts. And everyone was just like, "Oh my god, what's happening over there?" Yeah, it was. Uh, that was a good one. Um, Oh, so yeah, I think you said you were. So you fought the Korean Taisho in that one. I think Christian told us that when he was in the semi-final of Glasgow, he he was drawn against uh, Eger in the in the yeah. in the team match. And uh, so how, how like you're going? Obviously, the the Korean team and all. I suppose you know well-known guys and that. How? What was it kind of intimidating going up against, particularly their Taisho? Or did you know much about no. it? No. I mean, you know that the Koreans are always going to be like a millimeter under the the Japanese if there is any difference at all when it comes to strength, right? So you don't go in there underestimating them. The, The flip side of it is that there are no really famous Korean kendo people in the West. Like we don't know, we don't know who they are. They don't, they don't have the same penetration. They don't have the same fame. They don't have the same reach as the Japanese for multiple reasons. So, for me, it was like, okay, I know that the Koreans are going to be hard as nails. I don't know who this guy is. I don't know what his name is, but I know that I'm in for the fight of my life. And. For me, again, this isn't just a world championships thing. Like in Japan, when I get to fight against these people, I have the same reaction. It's one of those things where you either step up to it or you get pounded in three seconds. And I don't like the idea of getting pounded in three seconds. So it was like, well, let's step, let's step up to this and see what I can do. Five minutes later, it was P Hikiwake and and there we go. And I'm like, well, I'll take that, but would have been nice to score that cote, I thought. <laughs> and uh, and then like Honda Center was like, I think you're going to get fight spirit for that. And I'm like, really? I it, it was a draw. Like, why would I get fight spirit for that? And then and, and then it came about at the end. So oh, okay. I mean, it was it was nice. Like everyone, everyone likes to get something out of the out of these things when they go, uh, but it, I wasn't expecting it. So that uh, that world champs then in in Taiwan that was the only team competition you were in there, or were, were you doing both again? No, I was in both. I believe, yeah. Okay. So so that that was December two thousand six. I remember. Yes. Uh, into uh, that that world champs. So. You you moved to Japan that the following summer, wasn't it, or the following? Yeah, summer? July two thousand seven. Okay, so how was that? How did you 
how long did it take you to get settled in a, into a kendo environment over over here? So I was kind of lucky because uh, I can't. I don't know if it was the summer before Taiwan or if it was after Taiwan, but um, Ozawa Sensei, Ozawa Hiroshi Sensei. Who, who wrote like one of the seminal beginner's books that got translated into English that everybody kind of like leaned on at the time yeah, in the UK. First, first kendo book I got, actually. Yeah. Right, okay. So he wrote this book and he was in the UK. He had a connection. He's had a connection with the UK for years and years. And so he was in the UK, in London at the time, with his teacher, Yamanaka Sensei. And I remember practicing with both of them in Wakaba and I told Ozawa Sensei like I could speak Japanese at that point so I told Ozawa Sensei that I was going to be moving to Japan and he was like you're coming to my dojo and like I don't even know where your dojo is but okay let's give it a go and it happened to be like relatively like not really easy to get to but I could get there and then get home within an hour and so, like, my first kind of, like, kendo club that I gravitated to was Korbukan in, in Tokyo, which was, still is, uh, run by Ozawa Sensei. It was started by his father, or was it his grandfather? No, it was started by his grandfather, his grandfather. I think. Yeah, Korbukan's got decades of history. Uh, so, Ozawa Takashi Sensei, I believe, who is Ozawa Sensei's father was the youngest Hanshi Kyudan in Japan. Oh. So and then, he has that one. So his grandfather was, is it Ozawa? Aijiro Sensei. He was also yeah. Kyudan as well. I believe. I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And of course, obviously, yeah, Ozawa Sensei's now got uh, Hachi. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So there's also quite, I've, I've been there just a couple of times to, um, to Kobukan, and there's quite a lot of foreigners as well at, at that dojo. At that time, there was Stuart and Tyler and Arpad, yep. and a few different ones. It was a cool place. So I remember not not too long after you came, you organised what became known as Gibbo's Gaijin Kendo Bash in a yeah in Kobukan, and there was there, uh, that was pretty busy that day. And um, I like to think of that as the precursor to the Kendo world. <laughs> like uh, su summer cake or kite. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately, we haven't been able to do that this year, and because of COVID and whatnot, and last year. But yeah, yeah, that was um, yeah, that ended in carnage. That one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so uh, there was there was a Dutch guy, and I'll I'll keep his I'll keep his name to the annals of history. I, I know exactly who you mean. You know who I'm talking about, right? He denied point blank that he was found with his head in a urinal. No, I found him. With his oh, it was you. Was right. Me. I found him. So I was always I was always teasing him about it and he was denying it so hard. Every single time he would just deny it and say, No, 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 it's not me. It's not me. That was that was definitely not me. I would never do something like that. Never do something like that. It wasn't really in it. It was just kind of resting. Resting against it. Oh. Yeah. I and, yeah, and a, a while ago, I was in touch with him, and oh God, I really want to find this message. He admitted that it was him <laughs> in a Facebook message to me, and uh, like that felt like one of the the biggest victories that I've ever had. Like this guy finally admitting it was his head in the toilet. It's great. So that that was that was a that was a really good event. There was there must have been. Because Kobukan's not not a very big dojo, really, is it? The the floor area. It's a shoebox. It's really small. But there must have been forty people there. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. Uh, so this was a message in 2020, just before COVID hit. It's a, so I did. I actually did an interview maybe 18 months ago, more than 18 months ago now, almost two years ago, I guess for Kendo Jidai uh, International. And uh, somebody came and, like, we did something by tape in uh, a boozer in the middle of Tokyo. 
And so this guy heard the interview uh, because he knows the person who was doing it and said, I was, I was going with so-and-so by car to this competition and he let me listen to your interview. First of all, about the beginning, yes, it was me in the urinal sleeping. <laughs> so I'm like, that's, that's victory for me because <laughs> finally he's admitted what we all knew. I'm so, I was so pleased when I got that. It's like the, the, the best validation ever. Yeah, the, the, the Kendall World Summer Keiko Kai's are a much more refined affair. Uh, oh, very dignified. <laughs> like that time down Golden Guy with me, you and Tyler. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Tyler's dead now, God bless his soul. But <laughs> He's not really, folks. He's still around. <laughs> so that, that was, you, you came to Japan then in mm. 2007. Yeah. And you, you were fourth, Dan, right? When you came to I, just there, <laughs> hadn't you? Yeah, yeah. So I failed my fourth stand in the UK. And it was one of those things. So I look back on it now, and for me it was like, it was one of those things, you could have passed or failed me. Uh, because I was... I did my fourth stand exam with with one person who was younger than me. And at the time, I would have been 26. One person who was younger than me by a couple of years. And one person who was older than me by about 30 years. Oh, right. And, and so like this, this guy was never going to be able to match me in terms of like power and speed and distance. So I would just like, come I take a hard center, step in and boff and just basically do what I wanted for 60 seconds. And, uh, and they failed me for it basically. And so I was, uh, again, I've calmed down a lot. Mike, I think you can even probably attest to this. I've calmed down a lot even since I came to Japan. A little bit, right? a little bit. Yeah. Just a touch. <laughs> And so at the time, I was like, I can't believe this. this ridiculous. Oh, sorry. I was just, there's two in like three seconds. No, no can, you, can you beep that out when it comes to the uh, the recorded version? Sorry. Did did Christian swear like that when he had it? Like, of no, course I, he didn't. I, he's, he's much more mature than I am. <laughs> uh, so I was just, I was livid like more than anything else. Like, again, in my arrogance, it was like, I can't believe it. Like, I just can't believe it. And so uh, that was in like a November or a December. And I applied to the Belgian refereeing seminar grading, which was in February of the following year. And I actually remember at the time, the chairman of the BKA was like, you should probably wait and you know take a little time and work on the things that we told you. And I just remember saying, I don't want to wait. I'm going to go to Belgium. And just like just like that, and I could see in his face that he was really pissed off with that reaction. But I'm like, at the time, I was like, I just don't, I just don't care. I I was again arrogant and young, and I was just like, I disagree with you guys. I think I passed, so I'm going to go and pass somewhere else. And for better or for worse, I passed in Belgium. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about it kind of like looking back because yeah, I can, I could understand one or two of the reasons why you might want to fail someone for doing what I did. But on the flip side, if I went like literally three months later and passed with flying colors at another place, you can also understand why I might have been annoyed with it. So I don't know. I just kind of like, like to be a bit more chill about things these days. So I, yeah, I passed my fourth down at the second attempt in Belgium. So that was you said February two thousand seven. Then you, yeah. and then you came here, mm -hmm. um, July two thousand. Yeah. One thing that was on my mind was I didn't want to come to Japan as a third dad. I don't know why. I don't. Know, I have no idea what was driving that. But mm -hmm. yeah, I just wanted to make sure that I was fourth down by the time that I came. So how did you find it then? The the training here. I mean, my, uh, I think I've said on these other KED talks before, basically pretty much all of my experiences here in Japan. That's where I, where I started. Mm. Yeah. So how, how did you find the, uh... um, 
So the atmosphere or the situation? Well, there's a couple of big differences that I see in Japan. And I I don't want to paint this with a completely overarching brush and make broad sweeping generalizations about the whole of Japan. So I want to caveat that not all of Japan is like this. But um, kendo-wise, obviously, the level is completely different here. So anybody with big fish in small pond syndrome is going to get a gigantic wake-up call when they come here. Now, to my advantage, I had come to Japan and practiced here a couple of times before I moved. So I knew the state of what I was getting myself into. So I had no delusions about where my my place on the ladder was. Um, so it was kind of a breath of fresh air to a greater extent because in the UK, everyone knew who I was. Everyone had these expectations. Everyone was always watching what I was doing. In Japan, I could just blend into the background and be nobody. And that was great. So I I had a little bit more freedom to kind of be what I wanted to be and do what I wanted to do from that extent. Whereas like in the UK, like especially towards the end, it was like, well, there's Gibbo. Let's go and watch what he's going to do. And if it's not what we expect, let's go and tell him that that wasn't what we expected. So, yeah, it was it was almost actually liberating to that extent. Great. So so how did you manage to... So, so did you take part in the EKC in 2007? Did you go back? Yeah. How did that work then, like you being here and... Yeah, so the the EKC in 2007 was actually before I came to Japan. Oh, okay, okay. It was in April. So, okay, so for the for 2008, were you in that one? Uh, yeah, I was. I, like, basically, between 2001 and 2015, I was in every EKC or... Or WKC. So how how did that work then? Like obviously, I know a lot of countries. You have to be uh, resident in the country where you are. In all, in all, I spent thousands of pounds of my own money on flights. Is how it works. So you, you would you would go back every time for squad training? No, 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 no. So, I mean, at the time they had a rule where you had to be resident in the UK. Uh, and again, the arrogance and the folly of youth. For me, I had been British national champion a few times. Uh, we had the Premier's Cup in Japan, which uh, had been basically it was a giant cup that had been donated by Hashimoto Yutaro, who is an ex prime minister of Japan and had been uh, working in the UK. And he donated this cup to the UK to support British Kendo on the condition that that cup was used for a competition for British passport holders only, to to encourage Brits to, to do more Kendo. And so the Premier's Cup, I won five times. Uh, four of that was in a row. So seven, six, five, four, I think, was or was me, basically. Um, and I came second in 2003, and the first time I won it was 2002. So far be it from me to toot my own trumpet too much, but I was relatively dominant in British Kendo at that point in time. And so... They basically changed the rules for me and said, okay, we'll make an exception. You are allowed to come, but you have to tell us what you're doing for practice. And if you can take videos and send that over, then we want you to do that as well. And so once or twice a year, I'd send them a video of my practice. I'd document what I was doing and, you know, what, what things I was thinking of and practicing and focusing on and that sort of stuff and send it back to them. You, you were training at... Wasn't it? Uh, was it Matsumoto Sensei at the time was in charge of the UK team? I believe so. From two thousand and eight until twenty ten, maybe. Didn't maybe I'm misremembering this, but didn't he sort you out with training at Tokai 
university? Yes, where yes, he did. He did. So he gave me an introduction to Yoshimura Sensei, who was the Kendo Bucho, basically. Was he? I don't know if that's the right term. Uh, maybe, uh, he was. He was the head teacher of the Kendo Club at Tokaidai and uh, Hachidan at the time. At the time, he still is Hachidan. Um, and basically, I practiced with Tokaidai once every three to four months from, I guess, the end of 2007 until I retired in 2015. So then Yoshimura Zente would, would kind of send reports about you or... He, he, or no, he would kick my ass. That's <laughs> and that's all he did. Like he would just kick my ass, and then I would just report back. Hey, I practiced with Yoshimura Sensei today, and he kicked my ass, oh, okay. basically. But it was good because I mean, Tokaidai is a famous university in Kendo, right? Like mm. back in the day, they had some of the most famous people practicing there. Iwasa Hidenori Sensei is from Tokaidai. Eiga Sensei. Yeah, both of them are from Tokaidai. Uh, like one of my friends, like his um, his close friend, is like Kosek uh, Taro from Tokaidai. So, like, there's they have a pedigree. They have a pedigree. So it's good to practice with those kids who, honestly, also just mostly beat me up. Yeah, I've been there a couple of times because Hirakawa Sensei was also one of the Kendo Senseis there as well. Yeah, he's like he's like guest Sensei. Yeah, I think he he worked there for a while. I think not. Is his, that right? Not his, okay. main, his main was Meiji, but then he was also there. So, yeah, I went there a, a few times and yeah, got my ass handed to me in spectacular fashion. So yeah, yeah, it was good though. But so, what was there? No kind of problems or. You know, you being you being here, and then the rest of the team being back in in the UK. Did it, did it, or was was everyone just was everyone just chill? Was it everyone? It's just um, the problems are all mine. Let's right, right. just let's just say uh, the kendo the kendo team in the UK was in a very transient state for a, a period of time. I think it kind of settled down around 2010, perhaps. Uh, and and then finally, I felt like things were okay again in maybe 2013. Uh, but there was definitely a period of time between 2007 to 2010 where uh, I was a dick uh, because, again, aforementioned arrogance, folly of youth, uh, not being able to see past my own nose was uh, a bit of a challenge. And also... Like the team was going through flux. Like there was a lot of change going on. There was a lot of new members coming in. So a lot of some of the older guys and girls like retiring and then yep. younger blood coming in. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. And like there was there was one thing for me. And at the time, this was something that I felt. And looking back, I'm not totally convinced or sure it's a fair criticism or not. So uh Pre-caveat, apologies if I pissed anybody off at, at the time, uh, especially if you don't feel it was worth it. Um, but I kind of felt that some of the team were just happy to be there. And so for me, I was like, I'm practicing six times a week. Like I've put my career on hold. I'm doing like whatever job I can so that I can support myself to do kendo. I am paying thousands of pounds to come around the, the world and go into a competition with you guys. And I'm not seeing the same level of commitment as not just myself, but as the previous team members that they were replacing. And so I'm not saying not everybody was like that, obviously, but there was one or two and I was just like, it was difficult for me because I was like, well, I'm coming all the way around the world to do this with these guys. And are they really committed to this? And again, that's probably a lot of youthful arrogance speaking at the time, perhaps. And I look back on it and I think, you know, I'm not totally sure if I was really right or wrong at that point anymore. But 
yeah, at the end of the day, there's still things that were making me think in that way. Um, we got to a better place afterwards, I think, including one or two of the people who I thought were just kind of like, like I said, just happy to be there, like really demonstrably putting the effort in and like changing what they were doing and making themselves stronger. Mm. Um, but yeah, at the time, like it was difficult to kind of reconcile what the team had been with what it looked like it was going to be. Okay. So then your final one then was 2015. So you said when, uh, earlier on in, in our talk, you said that when you realised, what was it, 2009? That the think, 15, was it around? I think it was then. But so you, you had in your mind that 15 is going to be in Tokyo. That's that was, I mean, I always knew it was going to be in Asia and I thought it was going to be in Tokyo. And there was a time when it was kind of like fixed, it might have been a bit later, like 2011, perhaps. Like, I think they fixed what the next one's going to be before the yeah. the upcoming one is is done. And so I'd heard, okay, it's going to be in Tokyo. And I was like living in the Tokyo, the greater metropolitan area at that point. I was just thinking, well, that's the one. Like, I'm going to be old by that point. And I, I don't particularly want to be going until I'm like 38 or, or some age like that. And... I want to do other stuff with my kendo afterwards as well. So that's going to be my cutoff point. Like regardless of what happens, that's my, that's my Waterloo. Like I'm, I'm done at that point. So you, you felt then that after the, the, all that tournament was all said and done after Tokyo's finished, you think that was the, the, the right decision? Do you wish you'd have gone on for another, another three years? No, it was definitely the right decision. Definitely the right time. How yeah, definitely. One, how did that one go? 2015. Uh, it was a mixed bag. Uh, I was I was too nervous and too like conscious of being watched in the individual competition. Um, the individuals in the world championships is the only competition that I've been in where I've consistently done very badly. Uh, to the point where I think I've only gotten out of the group stage in the World Championships once. Really? Oh, so that was your first one then? Oh, no, sorry, you're talking about... World Championships. World oh, Championships. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've never done very well in the World Championships and the individuals. It's one. It's just one of those things. And, and then, like, the day afterwards, like, I go out and, like, beat someone on the American team in the team's competition. So it's like, like hey, here we go. Um, it's just one of those things. Mm. Like you talk about Waterloo, that's my Waterloo. The World Championships individuals have never been able to do good in it. Uh, so the last one was the same. Didn't do very well. Didn't get out of the group. Really annoyed with myself. And then the next, the next stage won both of my matches two 0 So it's like, what's <laughs> That, that was against America and New Zealand as well. No, I don't think it was America. Uh, New Zealand faced America after they drew on matches and then beat us on Ippon, I think, or total Ippon, actually. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, it was even on points, wasn't it? It was even on points between us and New Zealand, but they had beaten one of the Eastern European countries. It's, not Croatia, or maybe it was Croatia. I can't. I can't remember. I don't remember. But it was a country that we shouldn't. Uh, that Britain shouldn't have had as much difficulty beating as they did. And then the the Kiwis beat beat them by a bigger margin than we did. And so they had more totally bond than we did. And so they went up rather than us. That was a tough one for me because I think on a different day it would have been us. I was really annoyed, really annoyed on that day. But, uh, oh, for, for the team, you mean? You yeah. Were, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah we I remember, should have done better. I remember speaking to you, I saw you sitting in the stands after the, because I was there with the Kenderworld team to yeah, make yeah. video, and I remember seeing you after the individuals and asked how you how it went and quite... Quite soon, I realised you weren't happy, so I thought, all right, I'll, I'll just, uh, I'll see you later. <laughs> Not oh. happy, gigantic understatement. I'll, I'll leave you alone. 
But sorry, what we forgot to talk about before that was uh, so the year before then, in your tenth attempt, you, you uh, oh yeah, forgot yeah. to talk about that bit. <laughs> yeah, that's a, quite a big one. The 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 European Championships that you were yeah. So that so you you already knew at that point that would be your final European mm-hmm. champs as well. Yeah, if I came last in that competition, it was still going to be my last one. Okay. Yeah. So was it was it Mandia you fought in the final of that? No, 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 no. I like, I fought Fabrizio a couple of times the European Championships. Um, but in the final, it was Mayamoto from Belgium that I fought. Okay, so that was your your last one, and and uh, yeah, you finally you finally got there. How far? What's the best position that you had ever achieved up until that point? I had the been camp? in the quarterfinals three times. Okay. Yeah. After then. All right. So now you've been in Japan for what is it now? Fifteen years? Fourteen years? This Fourteen. Year? Fourteen years next month. 14 years next month. Okay. Yeah. So um, since you've been here, you've, you've got your fifth Dan and your sixth Dan in Tokyo. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Tokyo, you got them? Yep. So, so one one question that we, we've had from, from one of our patrons is that, uh, patrons, sorry, on Patreon, that um, you've been involved with is the Kendo Promotion Association. Yeah. So can you tell us what first of all what is it the kendo prom- obviously it sounds self explanatory by the title are there an association that promotes kendo all right fair enough that's that question answered so, Good lad. <laughs> so what what exactly are their uh, yeah. activities then um so i i don't think it's just promotion of kendo i think it's more specifically with uh children and so I think that the aim is just to basically, their aim is to promote kendo to the next generation of uh, kendo practitioners in Japan. So what kind of activities do they, does this all I, it's, I believe it's mostly like event-based stuff. So like they have the big stuff that I was involved with, like the, um, like the competition in Saitama. Uh, they have like smaller stuff where they get some very, very prominent uh, names uh, from the competition circuit to uh, like teach middle school kids. Um, I think they've done some online stuff since the pandemic started as well. So I think the ones you've been in have had, was it Hashimoto Keisuke? Is it from Saitama, who's... Yeah, in the in the all Japan's pretty yep. much every year, isn't it? Uh, so Hashimoto Keiichi uh, on the so on the men's side, Hashimoto Keiichi, uh, Yonea Yuichi uh, as well, uh, Hojo Tadomi, uh, the younger one, was there Kanagawa, is it? from Kanagawa. Yeah, um, Kiwada Daiki has been oh, there right. as well. Uh, Murase Ryo from the you know, he was like a team member of the old japan team as a student um on the women's side yamamoto mariko was there uh, as well i and then yours truly just like <laughs> sticking his big white face into this uh, into this otherwise civilized proceedings there's also some some guy from japanese tv is it some older actor that's often pops up on Oh, no, they have, like, the odd famous person who actually does kendo. So uh, Watanabe Masayuki is, yeah, he's a comedian. Um, I've actually practiced with him a lot uh, at Shinjuku. So he he would go to Shinjuku, like, two, three times a year, and for reasons unknown, would always ask me for practice. And I'm like, you're famous. (laughs) I'm going to kick your ass. And so I just beat him up as much as I could, basically. Uh, maybe that's why you ended up getting involved in this promotion association. Oh, no, that, like, that came afterwards. That came oh, afterwards. Okay, okay. But like, I'll, t- I'll tell you something about Watanabe-san. Um, like, he really cares about kendo. And we need more people like that, right? Like, he wants Japan to embrace kendo again. And he is happy to use his place within the entertainment industry 
to just let people know that kendo exists and that you can do kendo. So I have a lot of time for Watanabe-san, a lot of time for him. I really respect what he does. Yeah, he often pops up on TV wearing his mm-hmm. gear and talking about kendo on on the innumerable variety shows. And uh, He's got a YouTube channel oh, really? now oh. as well, yeah. And maybe we'll have to put that in the description below. Kendo Mashigura, I think it's called. Okay. Yeah. So how has it been then for these, obviously, these little elementary school kids or junior high high school kids mm-hmm. seeing you there? Has it, has it changed their image? Of- it's like, it's the Kendo equivalent of seeing the Jolly Green Giant walk into your home. <laughs> basically that's an like, incredible British reference for, thank you uh, for, for, yeah, for yeah. those of you the veins of sweet corn everywhere wringing their hands at the advertising opportunities <laughs> in Japan um, I mean like I would I would turn up I'd do the old hello how is everybody in English and then they'd go oh give me that face and then I'd go okay let's speak in Japanese then and give them Japanese and everyone goes oh you can speak Japanese um, you know like I'm there for the entertainment. I don't mind that. Like uh, on the flip side, like some people might look at it as the the old dancing bear, but for me, like I I love doing kendo with kids, right? I want to I want to see kids doing their best at kendo. I want to see kids getting stuff out of kendo because ultimately, without more children doing kendo, kendo dies. So we need we need that, and I want to support that as much as I can. So I'm really happy to be involved in, in stuff like that, and I enjoy doing it. Is there any more plans for any of those to, to go on over the um, I, I think they'll probably do something once all of this nonsense that is going around in the world sorts itself out. I think I've, I've heard them talking about that, so maybe in the future another few years time yeah, the, the nonsense that Stuart is uh, referring to is obviously COVID-19 or corona so how, how is that uh, are you managing to, to to still train a little bit uh, yeah sort of? like when Japan is not in a state of emergency uh, I'm still practicing a few times a week yeah oh, I'm just managing the one but it, I'm managing once at the week at the minute but even what? when even when Japan is in a state of emergency. That doesn't really. It doesn't be... always stop us from doing kendo, does it? Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very strange. Very weird. All right. Well, that's. Uh, yeah, we've been talking for about an hour now, so uh, I think we've covered a lot of lot of ground on, on your your opinions and your history on world champs and the European champs and then the kendo promotion association. So uh, yeah, thanks very much for uh, for joining us uh, this evening, and uh, yeah, I've managed to to get through that in the time. I'm I'm done as well. I'm completely done with my giant chew high. So I think it's good. good time to call an end to this and get a refill. So Count me uh, in. thanks uh, thanks very much to our patrons for for listening in, and thanks for your support of Kendo World. And yeah, I hope you uh, in, enjoy this video uh, when you're watching it or if you've been listening into it live. Uh, once again, thanks to Stuart Gibson from the UK, now resident in Tokyo, for spending his Friday evening with us. So, Gibbo, once again, thank you very much. My pleasure.